10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Belts, Avery for three, hits. Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll take a look back at the first week of preseason camp. For A-State football. Also, the stadium contest is over. We'll talk about the top game as voted by the fans in stadium history. Was it a close vote? I haven't even asked you about this yet. Um. Well, I'll, I'll heck, when the time comes, I'll tell you how close it was by percentage. It came down to Middle Tennessee 2012 versus Memphis 2007 for the Top game in stadium history, so the fans voted on that last week. Again, we'll recap that coming up a little bit later on. But right now, we are joined in studio by a very special guest. The news coming out on Monday about my new partner in the booth. Our new color analyst, former all-conference tight end for the Red Wolves, it's Darian Griswold. How you doing, Gris? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good. First off, exciting to welcome you to the team. And uh, thank you. I appreciate I, it. I just want to know your thoughts going into this thing. I mean, how do you feel a few weeks before you get into the booth for the first time? I'm kind of preparing myself like it was fall camp again. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get prepared, understand, you know, my role, being on the other side of, you know, with the broadcast and not being a player, but at the same time, being around the team, getting to know the players. Uh, getting to know you guys, and I'm excited, a little nervous at the same time, but it's all still football, so very excited about what's going on here and the opportunity. I had mentioned this yesterday. You know, ideally, when you're looking for somebody in this position, it's great to have a former Red Wolf, somebody who's a, a fan favorite, somebody who knows the game well, speaks the game well, and really wants to do it. And you kind of checked all of those boxes. One thing that I was excited about was just your enthusiasm about doing the job. But Brad and I both remember interviewing you many times when you were a player at Arkansas State. And I'm sure this is the last thing in the world you kind of pictured yourself doing. But even going back to those interviews, I remember thinking, man, Chris is a great interview. Did you enjoy doing those interviews back when you were a player? Oh, yeah, of course. You guys made it a lot easier for me to do those interviews really good questions um you know you made it about more about the team and you know that's what I'm about I'm a I'm a team player I do it for everybody else I know everybody's not going to get to talk on the mic on the radio on television whatever the case may be so you got a whole group of people that you do it for and like I said you guys made that job really easy I love doing the interviews you know the more you did it the more you get used to it and the more it became you know something that you embraced on doing so I am looking really forward to doing this. I don't know, you know, everything about the role, but, you know, I'm looking forward to working with you guys. And, you know, you guys teach me a lot about what's, what to do and what's going on. So what made you decide to do it? Or I mean, was there any part of you that said, I, I don't know about this thing? At first, yes. I talked to a couple of people. I talked to my mom, uh, my wife, and, you know, they were like, it's nothing that we haven't seen you do that you couldn't do. So, you know, why stop yourself now? Why why is this something that you're so hesitant on? And, you know, just kind of them giving me that advice and, you know, showing me that, hey, you know, that you don't know what type of doors this will open. You know, maybe I'll be Matt one day or, or Brad. So, you know, you just kind of take that into consideration. And these doors open for certain reasons. And I have you know, decided to walk through that door and take that step. So, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, we were together as a crew. We took a picture the other day after the media day stuff got over on Friday and, and you got to see Justin Clifton. And yeah. I, I guess that's the first time that you had seen him in a while, but he's part of the broadcast as well. He'll be a co-host on our Wolf House program. But I could tell that, that you and Justin were excited to see each other and you were both kind of talking about your excitement. Yeah, yeah. We, doing this. You know, I didn't know. I remember you, you know, telling me about that, but I didn't really know if it was going to be a former player. Justin was a freshman when I was a senior, so uh, he's a really good guy, a uh, great guy. He does a lot for the community, for Northeast Arkansas. So, you know, to see another guy that you're familiar with kind of going through that same process that you're going through, it makes it feel, you know, at ease. And like I said, working with you guys, too, 
it, it's that easy. You guys have been doing this forever, so I'm just looking to piggyback off you guys and uh, just have a great time and have a great season. We can remember really vividly just going back and replaying highlights from your career. I, I kind of want to go back before that because you're an Arkansas guy. You were yeah. a two-sports star at Dumas. You had options, both football and basketball options coming out of high school. So why did you ultimately choose to come to Arkansas State? Well, it was a tough choice. I had a couple SEC schools that was high on me, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, which is really close to home. Here at Arkansas State, they gave me a chance to play both sports. That was really high on something that I wanted to do or try to have a chance of doing. And Coach Freeze told me after the football season, you know, you're more than welcome to go join John Brady in the, in the basketball team. So I took that challenge and uh, I took advantage of that. Had a chance to play uh, both sports. Unfortunately, you know, some things happen. You get new coaches. I was fortunate enough to have four coaches in five years at Arkansas State. That's a positive way of looking at (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. So every coach has something different that they want you to accomplish or be a part of. So it wasn't in some of the coaches' decision for me to play both sports of football and basketball. So I chose football to continue to play. I don't think I regret that decision at all nope. career winning 40 plus games uh being a part of four different championship teams so i don't regret it not one bit you talk to different people and they would say you were a fool for not playing basketball because <laughs> that's what a lot of people know me as but coming out being a two-sport athlete i wanted to choose a sport that would give myself a really good chance to make it as far as i could and i yeah. figured football would was definitely the, the way to go listen i get that i mean i'm not surprised to hear you say that eventually you, you think hey I got a better chance to be in the NFL or the NBA. You said the answer was the NFL. By the way, you were right. Yeah. So good call. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like I said, depending on who you talk to, they may they may say I think you're wrong. But being six five, two sixty, you're a much bigger football player than you're a basketball player. So well, yeah, I mean, you say that you had redshirted that first season on campus as far as football. You redshirted mm-hmm. the year that Coach Freeze was head coach in 2011 but that was the year that you played basketball for coach brady 2011 and 2012 and it's not like you weren't seeing the floor you played a lot as a freshman on the basketball team when you go back and think about that year playing basketball at a state what was Uh, that like it was crazy it was it was rough um for me at first because i wasn't in basketball shape john brady then led up because it was my first or second practice you know he put it on me every day just like everybody else so me learning you know his ways early was different for me but at the same time I I really embraced the guys and you know embraced it I knew a lot of the guys on the team Trey Finn was a Arkansas guy he's a little guy so I had been knowing Trey Finn for a while uh, Brandon Peterson Malcolm Kirkland those that guys a fun like that team. love yeah, those teams really good team and we started off slow but by the time the tournament came we turned it on had some really good wins Oh, man, had some really good athletic guys on that team. Ed Townsend was on that team. Ed Townsend, yeah, for sure, man. Marcus Hooten, it was a lot of guys that could shoot the ball and really play defense. And we had some really good rim protectors as well. But, uh, you know, yeah, I played about 15 or 16 minutes a game. Really, honestly, didn't think I was going to play that much. But, man, started playing really good on defense, you know, getting those backside rebounds, scoring the ball when it was my opportunity. And, you know, seeing my minutes go up, had a really good Western Kentucky game. We actually lost at the end, but – I remember getting fouled to go to the free throw line and we were down two and making both free throws to give us a chance to go to overtime was, you know, was something that I didn't see myself doing, but just <laughs> living in that moment, being ready for that moment. And I enjoyed every minute of playing basketball. So I honestly wish I could have done it more, but just to have that experience was really good. All right, I got two things in this area and you've said enough, right? You said all you needed to say about why you didn't play basketball anymore. You handled that well. So I don't want to talk about that, but <laughs> Obviously, in the recruiting process, you might come across some coaches are going to tell you, oh, yeah, you can play both. But you're saying when you got here, as far as Coach Freeze was concerned, that didn't change. He said, Grizz, if you want to play both, go play both. That didn't change. I remember talking to Coach Freeze after a practice, after a football practice, right before going into the bowl game. It was maybe two or three weeks before the bowl game. And, you know, I asked him, like, hey, does that offer still stand? Is that still, what you know, what's on the table? And he straight up told me, like, I promise you that before you, you know, signed your letter of intent to come to school here. So it's still a chance for you to do so. He said, you didn't have to come to practice anymore. You know, you can go over there and, you know, prepare yourself for uh, basketball. So the first year of the bowl game, I didn't actually go the year we played Northern Illinois. Yeah. 
I was already on the basketball team then. But and everybody on the team, we all all the basketball players got together and watched the game and everything. So you know they were just invested as you know we yeah. were as a, as a basketball team. So you know to see that and everybody as one here at A State, you know it doesn't matter what sport you play. I think all the teams try to go support each other. So that's what made it you know really fun too. And the other thing is, it didn't cross my mind at the time, and even in the decade plus since. But it wasn't until we were sitting right here today and hearing you talk about it. As a, my goodness, what a fascinating tale you could go around telling, being someone who's coached by Hugh Freeze and John Brady at the same time. Because yeah. yeah. those two probably don't do a lot of things alive. No, no, it's, it's different. And by the way, they're but very they're good great friends. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're you know really good buddies. and But they are you know guys on the different end of the <laughs> spectrum, for sure. I've seen Coach Freeze turn it on. But, you know, he's always mellow, kind of the same guy all the time. And Brady, he is how he is. And you're going to always get that, too. Yep. You know, so just to see those guys on, you know, different ends. But at the same time, they all have the same goal. You know, sometimes that kind of even me out, you know, to have <laughs> two coaches like that. And it's me being somewhere in the middle. So, you know, just kind of being able to handle that and changing within two weeks and just trying to get it, you know, accustomed to another coach. So I embraced it. And we started to build a relationship after about a couple of weeks. So, yeah, it was good. <laughs> 2012 comes along, Gus Malzahn's here, you get your first significant playing time as a redshirt freshman, playing a lot at tight end, but I kind of want to backpedal a little bit, because when you came to Arkansas State, you were a quarterback. Correct. How quickly did you move from quarterback to tight end? Was that something you were already doing? Remind me, were you doing that with Coach Freeze? So I continued to play quarterback my entire redshirt year, so I was on a scout team, Going against Brandon Joyner, Demario Davis, uh, <laughs> Nigel Bird. Welcome to college. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I got my, you know, I got my feet wet a lot quicker than you know I expected to, especially being on the scout team. But you know, understanding that role and making those guys better every day was something that we embraced. Having Jaden McKissick, Chris Stone, Booker Mays, you know, guys like that to throw the ball to or hand it off to, sure, you know, for that matter. And I think we made those guys significantly better every week. A lot um, of people forget, too, though, that J.D. redshirted. Yeah. Yeah. He redshirted mm-hmm. in 2011. Yeah. And I remember Coach Freeze saying, I fight myself every day mm-hmm. to not take the redshirt off that kid. You know, listen, if old Hugh Freeze could, had a crystal ball and knew he was going to be the head coach at Ole Miss... You better believe a, red, a true freshman J.D. McKissick would have been on the field. Yep. They resisted the temptation and redshirted him. Yep. So and you were redshirting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Artez Brown was a true freshman that year. And just going back to Coach Freeze going to Ole Miss the next year, we were roommates our freshman year, and we both were going to commit to Ole Miss. But I don't think things would have worked out if we didn't come to Arkansas State. You know, so for Coach Freeze to – and I'm not saying me and Artez was the reason why, you know, he got the job at yeah. Ole Miss. But, you know, if we don't – if we think like, you know, selfishly and say, hey, we're going to go to Ole Miss, then I don't think that Arkansas State team 2011, that recruiting class would have been as good as it was with all the players that we had. I mean, we had – That was a really position. good class. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. Now, a lot of the guys, you know, transferred and, you know, moved away. But, you know, the core still stayed there. Me, J.D., Chris Stone – like I said, Booker Mays was a walk-on. C.J. Gurley was a walk-on. So we still had a really good core guys that stayed around and made us really good as teammates and as players. You moved to tight end before the 2012 season. Yeah. Is that something you kind of saw coming? And how quickly were you able to embrace that change? It was talked about. Um, I mean, you had a really good quarterback room. <laughs> Ryan oh, yeah. Applin, Philip Butterfield. It was quite the room. Stephen Hogan, it was a lot of guys in that room that, you know, was, hey, it's the next man up, you know, type mentality. So they understood that. And for me, I wasn't the the selfish guy to say, oh, I want to play quarterback or nothing. I wanted to play football. You know, I didn't care what position it was. I didn't care if I was a punter. I wanted to play. So I actually ended up playing more receiver than I did tight end that year. You um, did play a lot of receiver. Me and Carlos, me and Carlos and Kansas, we split the reps most of the time. And one thing about playing with a guy like that, he was such a selfless guy. Like he didn't care about, oh, this is your turn. He was like, hey, who's ever doing the best at the time? You play. And they kind of gave us that role as a freshman, you know, as a redshirt freshman and a senior, you know, to kind of have that chemistry together. It really made our role a lot easy. 
I remember Louisiana Lafayette game. We ran the same play like seven or eight times in a row. Run it again. Run it again. We kept running it. We were gaining yards every time. And I could tell that he was tired, but, you know, he was waving me off like, hey, I'm going to stay in. You know, I'm going to continue to do this. So to embrace that role because, you know, we were the bigger guys that went in there and blocked on the the linebacker or whatever. Yeah, so. you played a lot of receiver, mm-hmm. but you were also doing a lot of blocking yeah, on the edge. Blocking, and yes, the play that Coach Malzahn loved the most was that jet sweep. Yeah. And I know J.D. had a hundred and whatever, 102 catches that year. Well, probably about 30 of those were on that little forward pitch when right. J.D.'s going in motion on the jet sweep. Rocky Hayes yeah, that right, year yeah, was playing yeah. running back mm-hmm. and doing the same thing. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's just a way to get your playmakers the ball – you know, just stuck a little toss, let them run under it. And, you know, having, you know, big guys out in front and block it, it makes it a lot easier for that running back to find holes. And Oh, if know. I'm a quarterback, I'm screaming run it again. Yeah. Those are the <laughs> cheapest pass yards in the, on the planet. Most definitely, most definitely. So, you know, with, it was Lafayette the year two. Uh, Rocky was a freshman, and he scored the touchdown. Yep. He had the long run. And, you know, we kind of seemed like, like, this guy's a really good defensive player, but, yeah, he can, he can come play <laughs> offense as well, too. You know, that season wrapped up. At home, at least the regular season wrapped up at home with a game that we've talked about a lot the last few weeks with the stadium contest going on. The 2012 win over Middle Tennessee, 45 to nothing, about as perfectly played game as we've ever seen from an Arkansas State team. What are your memories of that day? (laughs) The stadium was as packed as I've ever seen it or remember. And with the Memphis game, I, I think I was maybe high school or close, you know, pretty maybe a freshman in high school. And hearing about the game, you know, versus being a part of one, obviously I'm a little biased by that. But at the same time, man, just the atmosphere, the chip on the shoulder that we had because, you know, they were calling themselves the best team in the in the Sun Belt. And, you know, maybe rightfully so. But um, for them to come to our place and have to play us at home, you know, I felt like we we had that advantage. With us losing to West Kentucky that year, you know, it kind of put us behind the eight ball. But, you know, we knew that we were going to have the last chance at our place for the conference championship. And I can say we really put it on those guys. But practice, like we prepare like it was a championship game. Like everything we did in practice, everything we did leading up to the game, we were right on T. So we wanted to go out there and make a statement. And we, we really did. Just the one thing that really stands out to me was the kickoff return. I keep going back to this, my roommate Ar- that Artez had, and he flipped the guy over his shoulder. Yep. Tackle that, on a yeah. kickoff return, yep. That, I think, honestly, that really just changed the game and their mentality. Like, it got soft after that, you know, because they were like, man, like, <laughs> from whichever aspect of the game, offense, defense, or special teams, they are killing us. So, you know, we really embraced that, and we, we enjoyed that moment. I mean, obviously, you guys were prepared to play, clearly. And you thought you were going to win the game. But you didn't think you were going to win it 45 to nothing. No, nah, not at all. I honestly thought it would be a really good game, touchdown, three-point game, something like that. But to just see us turn it on like that, it really depleted those guys. It's 35 nothing at half. So what do they even say in the locker room? Keep it on. Keep it on because, like I said, we were making a statement. They were already bragging about being the best team. They, in their minds, they already won the conference. They hung their pads up. But we were ready to play. Oh, we were ready to play. I mean, that just everybody just talking about the game from for the most part, we're a very humble team. You know, you have your guys that's that's every team. You're gonna have your guys that talk, oh yeah, they come in our place. Yeah, we understand that. But we still respected those guys. But to put it on them like that, like that was one of the best games I've been a part of. I mean, at this point, right? Who we well, number one, if you're listening to this, you probably already saw on social media Monday that, that was yeah. voted the best game in the history of the stadium. Got about 63% of the vote in the finals oh. over that comeback from 07 against Memphis. And I looked at that at the end of the first day of voting last Monday. I looked, and it was going to, at that point, it was pretty close. I mm-hmm. didn't really run the numbers, just eyeballing it. I'm like, hey, this is, this might be closer than I thought. And it ended up, it about 63%, which was the closest vote that game had all the way through. So do you think it was the score, or do you just think how the game was? how the game ended with the Memphis with you know, 07 with Memphis. Well, so like what what do I think made it the win? Mm-hmm. I think it's all. I think when in the conference title, I think everybody coming out on the field. But most largest crowd in Yeah, the largest crowd history. in the history of the stadium too. But what really caps it off the thing that what people will tell you is that it's the closest 
they think they've ever seen a team come to play in a perfect game. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, but, and really, it was the last several games of that season. I mean, that team was just playing so well, playing your best ball at the right time. Yeah, for sure. So you win the conference in 2012 as a redshirt freshman. 2013 comes along. Coach Harson comes in. You win the conference again. But one thing I know you and I have talked about before is the fact that Coach Harson was building a different type of team, a different type of player. He wanted your body to be different. Not just you, but everybody else on the team. He wanted a bigger, more power-type offense. Right, right. So he comes along. You're changing your body a certain way, and then – 2014 comes around coach Anderson comes in here and he wants to go faster than ever so talk about just trying to train yourself to play in these different type offenses yeah for sure the Amazon year was more of a spread smaller guys 2014 it was more of a two tight end three tight end type offense so me Kenny Raines we played a lot it was a much more heavy run so you know we got to play a lot we got to play a lot, and that was the year that that was the first year that I really just had to put my hand in the gr- in the ground. So, coming from quarterback and receiver, that was different. That was something that I had to embrace and get used to. But you know, having Kenny Rains around, he helped me a lot because he was a man. He was he could block. I had the aspect of you know running and catching. Let me learn how to block. Let me learn how to be a factor, a sixth, seventh offensive lineman. And having a guy like that, dude, he taught me so much about how to block. And him and Coach Jackson, like. They beat it in my in my face every day, you know. So, you know, have a chance to learn from those guys and be around that. And But I really embraced the fact that, that I had to block and I had to be an offensive lineman. But 2014, learning how to run like a receiver and block like an offensive lineman hmm. was different too because, you know, 2013, you just go from, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, go, I'm just run heavy, you know, I'm going to be in a run game. And then it's like, oh, man, the next year, you got to run like these fast guys but block like a big guy. What's a good weight for me to be at to do that? Because I was a lot heavier the year before. So just kind of balancing that, somewhat change up your diet and you mm-hmm. know the things you do. And then you train different in the summer and the winter. Uh, having Coach Shadid, he made us change drastically just our bodies, the way we eat, the way we sleep, the, the way we you know just go about it, daily activities. So it was very different. But at the same time, you know, just talk about those guys having the same goals in mind. That was to win. That uh, 2014 team. You and I were actually talking about that before we started mm-hmm. recording today because that team went to a bowl game. It was the only year that you didn't win a conference title, but I think it was amazing that team won seven games just because of the way that team was built, and it was so depleted on the defensive line. And I think we all remember what Kareem Hunt did for Toledo in that bowl game that 2014 yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. But it was a completely different system in that offseason that staff went out and recruited on the defensive line, made that an emphasis, and then you turn around in 2015 and, and win a conference championship. And I'm sure that was a great way for you to go out as a senior. Oh, yes, sir. 2014, um, it left a sour taste in our mouth. It was some seniors that I wish I could have done it another year for those guys just to – See their senior year kind of get depleted like that. We we lost a lot of guys on the defensive line. I mean, it was tough for us that year. But, you know, we still found a way to win seven games. <laughs> I think that was the most impressive thing. It was the guys that we put out there, they still were prepared to play, prepared to do their job and give it all they got. You know, even as, you know, as walk-ons, as freshmen or whatever their role were, was at first, you know, it was, next, like I said earlier, next man up mentality. So those guys embraced that role. And then in 2015, we did some really good recruiting. Guys got better over the winter and the summer. And then we came out in the fall and <laughs> had a heck of a fall, undefeated in the in the conference, winning nine games, having a chance to go to New Orleans Bowl and, and play La Tech in that game. And we had a really good season. But even before the season started, me and Rocky had a chance to go to the media day in New Orleans. And we made a promise to ourselves that we were going to go back to New Orleans for the New Orleans Bowl. We upheld that standard, but, you know, now we didn't win the game, but at the same time, we gave ourselves a chance. So that was what was really You talk about injuries. Us. That New well, Orleans Bowl, that, I yeah. mean, you guys were so banged yeah, up. Yeah, we were banged game. up. Listen, I, I, I swear, I think I still get Christmas card every year from Dr. Jerry Punch because he was the <laughs> – yeah, he was the sideline reporter on the ESPN broadcast of the New Orleans Bowl. And so 
Yeah, we get hooked up before the game because I was doing sidelines on the radio, and it's like, you know, hey, if something goes on, you you need to know what, from an injury standpoint, just, you know, find me. Well, I mean, good God. Every time I turned around, there he was standing <laughs> because I had something else you needed to ask about yeah. because every time he looked up, yeah, somebody was. was banged. Right, right, yeah. You know, this kind of goes off to what happened to us in 2014. It was, I can't remember what game, but it was like that, it was that one game where it, everything just kind of fell apart. We had, you know, multiple injuries and it wasn't looking pretty for us. But like I said, in 2015, we turned around. We had a really good summer. Guys were really bought in. It was the first year that we had a back to back coach, you know? So yeah. Yeah. embracing that and going through the summer, like we did a lot of the stuff on our own because we understood it already. And you and I have talked about this moment during the 2015 season a couple of times over the last few weeks, but I remember very well, very vividly, your last home game, and we're wrapping up the conference championship against Texas State on the home field, and I remember everybody getting to celebrate after the game on the field. A great memory there, great way for you to go out as a senior, but at the end of that game, Coach Anderson puts you in there at quarterback Mm -hmm. where you came in ran one in from what three or four yards out Mm -hmm. to wrap up the scoring that day so I didn't think the play was going to happen the running back can't remember who who the running back was but the game was out of hand he breaks for a long run he gets tackled at the three or four and coach calls a timeout I'm like what are you doing? <laughs> so he put me, put me in a quarterback, and he was like, don't worry about anything. I'll keep Freddie in. You don't have to say the cadence or anything. So Freddie was the guy that I faked hand the ball off to. And, I mean, it was like the sea parted. It was nobody in front of me. But I think the, you know, I think the offensive line understood, like, hey, we're going to get this guy in the, in the end zone no matter what. So, you know, for those guys to embrace that and understand that I went out like I came in, <laughs> so that was really fun for me. That was a really fun moment for me and all the guys embracing me and even the coaching staff just loving on me after that. So that was probably one of the other great moments that I've had in college. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities, make a monthly commitment, and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at Impact club.com thank you and wolves up visiting with darian griswold here on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank i do want to ask you about the quarterbacks you played with ryan applin obviously one of the all-time greats in a state history adam kennedy had a nice year in 2013 and Mm -hmm. then got to play with freddie after that who certainly is one of the great quarterbacks in program history as well so kind of talk about playing with those three yeah oh man a lot different, a lot different build. App was very smart. He knew what was going on. He was always five steps ahead of everybody else. So him understanding the game, his knowledge of the game was, you know, second to none, no pun intended. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he really taught me a lot about, you know, X's and O's, what's my reads, that type of thing. Because, like I said, I was the youngest one. Me and Stephen Hogan was, you know, one of the younger two in the room. So, you know, just – you know, having other guys to go to, Philip Butterfield, you know, both of those guys, just having those guys to go to and ask questions because Coach Hurd was the position coach my freshman year. So to learn, you know, learning from him, learning from App, learning from Philip, those guys really taught me a lot. And App, he was a guy that no matter what, he was going to put it all online, whether it was practice, the game, you know, he was that playmaker that, you know, you really wanted on your team as a quarterback. And then Adam Kennedy, a lot bigger than those guys, but at the same time, he, he, didn't, he didn't fear anybody. He was more wanting to make a play. Sometimes it wasn't there, but he was going to do whatever you know he could 
to give us give ourselves a chance to win. We ran the ball a lot more with Adam. He was six five. He would fall for three yards. So, you know, sometimes you at third and two, just give it to him. You know, he, that's he'll, when he'll, things kind of change yeah. with that South Alabama game. Yeah, for sure. We kind of turned him loose in the run game, yeah. and all of a sudden we started clicking a little mm-hmm. bit more offense. Yeah, I remember. I think it was uh, Georgia State at home. He I think he had a couple good runs that game too. But that was just giving us something else for the teams to prepare for. That I got a running quarterback now. And, you know, even Freddie Moore running the ball, like, I don't think sometimes that it wasn't playing for Freddie to run, but he would take off and guys would turn and just start blocking because you knew he was dynamic and he was elusive. So I always talk about that Georgia State game. We played them at home and it was their homecoming. And he took off and scored. And, like, nobody was thinking that he was going to take off and score. He broke a couple tackles, and before he knew he was in the end zone, I'm like, man, like where, where did that come from? You know, so I remember yeah. Walt Bell telling Brad and I both this, and he told us this on more than one occasion. Our fans don't realize how good Freddie is, and just how many plays he made, keeping a play alive, yeah. finding you or one of the other receivers downfield, and right. or taking off and picking up a, a big gain of his own. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure his job was easy because he had so many guys to throw it to. I mean, you could put six or seven different receivers out there and two or three different tight ends out there and have a chance to throw the ball to any one of these guys. So at the same time, I think that's that's hard to have for you, but at the same time, it's a good thing. Say, I got a pool of players that I could throw the ball to or throw it up to. You got Dijon's and Trez. You know, your taller receivers and even myself. And then you got the fast guys like J.D. and Booker. So, you know, he had any type of weapon at his disposal. So I think, you know, at the same time, it was probably a challenge, but it was very fun for him to do that. You were a year younger than the five and five guys, Mm -hmm. the guys that played for five head coaches in five years. So you're a four and five guy. Mm -hmm. You know, now a decade later, an adult now living in the real world, what impact did that have like what do you now look back on you know how's that come into play later like dealing with the situation like you guys dealt with playing for essentially a different coach every year yeah oh man uh discipline change you know just understanding change is you know something that's going to happen you're going to go through that we were young we were still teenagers going through that so you know to be on that side of it and understand that that hey the common denominator are players and, you know, after the second and third year, we kind of understood that, like, mm-hmm. we're the ones that's staying, you know. Yeah, we have to buy into whatever the coach standard is, yes. And mo- for the most part, they all have the same standards. You know, you have yeah. tweaks here and there. But for the most part, it, it stays the same. But understanding that we as players are what's sticking around. You, Yeah, you have transfers here and there. But at the same time, for the most part, 80% of your team is going to stay together. We really embrace that. We really enjoy being around each other. And I think that's why we were good every year because the players stayed the same. And no matter what the coaches brought in or whoever the coaches were, yeah, we, we bought into their system. But we played as a team. We played for each other. So you, you raise an interesting point, and it was you guys, right? At the end of the day, the, the, just the players are the common denominators, a core group of guys from each class that would stay through and help you guys lay the championship foundation, which makes me think, as I'm hearing you describe that, if a program had five coaches in five years in today's game, in the transfer portal era, I wouldn't think there's any way they could keep winning like that. There's no way. And I was going to mention that because now I said that 80% of your team stays the same. Now on days, 80% of your team leaves. Yeah. So that's a that's a lot harder to say, oh, I'm going to build a program off of 15, 20 guys. It takes everybody, offense, defense, and special teams. So if you're bringing in 50 new guys every year, man, that's going to be hard because they're probably coming from, from, from somewhere where they were the man. You know, mm-hmm. just like you were in college. And then you kind of get a, you know, you get that rude awakening. I'm like, man, I should have stayed where I was. But that's the thing about the portal now. Like, you know, all these guys want to go and transfer. But where you're going doesn't mean that somebody, if somebody else is thinking about it the same way you are. Oh, I'm going to go play at this school. Oh, this is a really good major D1 school. I'm going to play here. But then you got five other guys that play the same position that you say, oh, I'm going to go here too. So now you kind of run into that. So I just think that if you choose a school, you stay there, now everything is a one-year renewable. When I signed my letter of intent, I had a four-year deal to yep. go to school here. And it was up to the coach to give you a release papers. But I, I enjoyed Arkansas State. I enjoyed the teammates that I had. So I didn't want to go somewhere and start over. 
So having those coaches come in, they were having to start over. This is the school that I go to already. Because having that mindset and thinking of it like that was different for us, and I think you know it paid off for us as well. It was a great run for you at Arkansas sure. State, and you were here for the first five years of the best nine-year run in school history. Yeah. When you look back on that, just knowing that you were here for the better part of that run and nine straight winning seasons and nine straight bowl games and five conference championships, that's something you can take a ton of pride in. Oh, man, for sure. And I do. I'm very happy and very proud of where I went to school. Wouldn't change it for anything. Like I said, I, I came here because they offered me a chance to do something that I wanted to do. That was play both sports. And I had the chance to do that. And I've had great teammates. I've had great coaches. And I've met great people like you, you two gentlemen. So I don't regret, you know, anything about my decision that I made. Man, I didn't, at first, I didn't know anything about Jonesboro. I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> the first time I ever came here, I knew it was a lot colder than being in Southeast Arkansas. <laughs> so, you know, all that, just embracing all that and, you know, having a chance to take all that information in and learning from all these different coaches and different players, honestly, has made me who I am today. Just going off, just having a regular job now, it not being sports, it makes it a lot easier to get up and say, hey, I'm going to go to work. Because you have all the 5 a.m.s, the 6 a.m.s, the winters where, you know, you see guys' beards freezing outside because we're out there in 20-degree weather. So living a normal life now is a lot easier and it's a lot more. Honestly, it gives you a little bit more than football did, you know. So to, to have a chance to embrace that and actually live a normal life, football has taught me a lot about it, though, for sure. After Arkansas State, you did go to the NFL, able to spend a couple of years in the league with the Falcons and were with the Colts for a while. Talk about that experience. Yeah, man, just a really good experience. And, you know, the difference between college and NFL is how fast that once that ball is snapped, everybody is shot off like a rocket. So that is the sole difference between college ball and NFL is how fast the game is being played and how big everybody is, you know. So you have an individual battle that you have to win every play. And understanding that, that everybody's going to do their job to the best of their ability. You know, I hear a lot about, oh, I could play that guy's position or I could do just as well as he can. Until you're in that position, you know, you <laughs> you say that and it sounds easy, but and when you're on that level, man, you just have to embrace it every day, understand that there's not a lot of guys that's doing what you're doing or getting a chance to do what you do. It's only 1%. So to be a part of that 1% and have a chance to play at that level, that's all you can ask for. And doing the things every day for you to stay there and be prepared to stay there is one thing and, you know, having like JD and DeMario and all these guys having a chance to really live that dream. Yeah, I did it for a couple of years, but these are the guys that, you know, continue to do it and understand that I have my run and I'm, and I'm okay with that. Well, I want to ask about that because whether it's a guy that quit playing after junior high and didn't go to high school football on through to a guy that plays 15 years and ends up in the hall of fame sooner or later, your time in the game is finished. Oh yeah, for sure. So how did you, Talk me through coming to that spot and, mm -hmm. and how'd you deal with that? Well, in 2016, um, right about a week after training camp started, I started having back issues. I went to see a specialist, and that's when I was informed that I had a bulging disc, real low L4, L5. So for about a month, I couldn't walk. It's hard to do anything. I slept for about 15 hours a day, kind of very demoralizing, didn't have a lot of energy to do anything, really couldn't do anything. So the next month, uh, you know, I started walking. Month three, I was back running, jogging. Month four, I was actually able to work out. At this point, Indianapolis had already released me, so I was at home, still training. I went out to uh, L.A. and Pasadena and started training again and got picked up by Atlanta in December, right before the playoff run. And they embraced me like I had been there all season. And the crazy thing was J.D. <laughs> J.D. got – sent to Seattle the week before I got there. Mm. So he was uh, on the practice squad, and then he got moved up to the 53-man roster. He was going back down to the practice squad, so you have to release him for 24 hours. So in that 24 hours, Seattle was the team that picked him up. Yeah. And, yeah, I got picked up that next week and went to Atlanta. So to be a part of that run, to understand, like, what it is to be a pro, how to, you know, how to live that life. I learned a lot of from a lot of guys. Muhammad Sanu was one of the guys I – I don't think he took me under his wing. I kind of 
went under his wing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just kind of made him. Sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, B.J. Daniels was a guy that he went to South Florida, but he played uh, behind Russell Wilson on that Seattle team. So just learning from him, uh, being around him, and, you know, those guys really embraced me. So to learn that, but, you know, back to your point of once I got hurt in Atlanta, I think I talked about this the other day, just not wanting to get out of bed and it hurt. Want to live a, a regular life, be a regular person. That's kind of, you know, where my mind was at the time. The injuries, I didn't want to go to any, through, through any more injuries and stuff like that. So I figured, like, I better do, I better find something that I love to do other than football or basketball or whatever, other than sports. So I've been anywhere from a personal trainer to a high school coach, which I really love doing. And just honestly being a life coach now to a lot of kids. I've, I'm older now, so all the knowledge that I have, I'm looking to give it to you know the next generation or the next generation of kids so or anybody that wants it for that matter because I have a lot of knowledge and I know I can't keep it for myself. But just understanding that your time is going to come. You know, the NFL stands for not for long. So some guys play three years and some guys have a 20-year career like Tom Brady. But that's not always going to happen either. So, And by the way, for the average to be three yeah, means for every 15 years, there's a two weeks. Yeah, exactly. You know, that what eye-opening to me was my first week in Indianapolis. I didn't know what this meant, but I learned fast. You never want to hear... Come with me, bring your playbook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was something you ever wanted to hear as a player because you knew what that meant. So me learning that yeah. really fast because I, I seen it happen probably three days back to back when I was in Indianapolis. I'm like, man, like this could be me, you know. So that's kind of when I really, you know, turned it on and said, hey, every day I got to go out here and bust my tail every day, every day. You got to do the little things. So and I did that and you know really had a had a chance. I just unfortunately I got hurt. So. Yeah. You mentioned a few of the jobs that you've had, but you've also, in the last few years, been busy building your own family. Yeah. yeah. And about to add on, right? Yeah, for sure. So I have a soon-to-be 15-month-old that is the king of the house right now. (laughs) My wife is seven months pregnant right now, so we're about to have another little boy. And the time for myself is dwindling down. Now it's about an hour a day. I won't have that hour anymore. So Now hang on a sec, (laughs) because... We brought you here. We started this conversation. We're kind of talking about this new gig. And seven months pregnant for right now means there's a baby coming in football yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's just going to have to understand that it's football. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes over. <laughs> I can say that all I want to now, but, you know, I still have somebody to, to go home and yeah. uh, consult with as well. So, But uh, I think she's understanding. Uh, she's the one that's really pushed me to, you know, to want to do this job. So I think she understands that. and. I thank her for letting me get the opportunity to do this for sure. Well, this has been fun, this conversation, just kind of looking back on on your time at Arkansas State. And, man, that time is still here because you're on the broadcast now. We couldn't be more excited about you being on the team, man. Oh, man, I'm I'm super excited. I'm super stoked to be a part of it and travel with you guys and uh, just get to know you guys more. You know, I've always known you guys as a – Radio guys, but I want to know you guys as, yeah. as people. As well, men, believe just me, like I am, you've you know? got your chance. <laughs> yeah, <for> sure. <laughs> Before we get out of here and get the ball, the big finish, I do have this question because we talked about you've got a child, you got another one coming. One of these days, we're going to spin this thing forward, and you're going to be Grandpa Grizz. And when these grandkids come up and they say, "Hey, Grandpa Grizz, tell us a story," I want to know which one you're going to tell first because I've got. I'll even give you some options. Are you going to tell them when I played football, I won four conference championships? Are you going to tell them when I played football, I played for four head coaches? Are you going to tell them I made it to the NFL? Or are you going to tell them Grandpa Grizz was a two-sport Division One athlete? You know, that's some. <laughs> that's you got tough. some good choices. Yeah, for sure. Probably the last one, probably the two sport, just because that's something that I want them to get into because later on the line, you'll learn about everything else, being being in college, you know, that type of thing. So just letting them know that play every sport that you're interested in. You never know where sports you're going. Like I, I found myself liking baseball a lot later, you know, but mm-hmm. that was a sport that I picked up on later. And I think maybe if I learned it, Faster, that's something that I would have done. But I was a I was a sophomore in high school. I think mm. it was a little too late, <laughs> you know, to just trying to be you know learning. You know, some guys can do that, but I had football and basketball already on my plate, so it was a lot going on. But you know, just kind of letting them know that hey, whatever you put your mind to, that's what you can do. Don't let nobody stop you from doing that. So, but yeah, those are some really good options. Some really good options. I don't know. Everybody is uh, intrigued by the NFL, so I wouldn't doubt it 
that he would probably ask me about that at some point. But, you know, just kind of just let them know that, like I said, you could do anything you want to do and if you put your mind to it. I have a guy that I train. He plays four different sports. And I'm like, he's young. But how do I'm, you do it? <laughs> exactly. Like, how do you keep up with, you know, with all these sports? But man, he said he, he plays some of them twice during the week. And, you know, the other ones, they got they have their own season. But that's impressive to me. Because I thought two wasn't, you know, hard enough. Playing four is just crazy. That's Darian Griswold joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We'll wrap things up right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize your home really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at ImpactClub.com. That's Impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We talked about it earlier, but uh, again, the stadium contest wrapping up this past week. You said 63%. That was the yeah, final was number. The, the, the margin there for the, the middle game and you know it's interesting look we we talked about it all along right it, it was the number one seed for a reason I'm going to be absolutely shocked uh, if it didn't win but that matchup in the final against that memphis game it's interesting because they're just they, they couldn't be further apart from one another you know in memphis it ended up a classic because we were terrible in the first half well honestly you're talking about here's the greatest game in stadium history that the second half of from a football standpoint had to be so boring to sit through because it was you know you're coming out of halftime and it's 35 nothing and the only thing that kept arkansas state from scoring more was the clock ran out i mean you know just every time they got the football they were scoring so like the second half of that game the second half of the greatest game in history terrible the first half of the game it beat in the finals terrible but they're the top two and rightfully so they were the top two seeds and it was fun to watch them go at it in the championship round the other big news this week coming from football the first week of preseason camp we've got what five practices in the books now as we're recording this on monday they went full pads for the very first time earlier this morning i was out there for a little bit and governor bb yes, out there attending that, practice and we've known for uh Probably a couple of weeks at least now that this was the day Governor BB was coming to practice. And I was having a conversation with someone on campus today uh, over the phone. It was funny because he said, Arkansas State's the only place that you can go and say, hey, the governor's here today. And everybody just understands you mean truly the guy who was two governors ago. <laughs> yeah you go a lot of places and say hey the governor's coming and they think it might be the governor today now when you're at a state you say the governor's around yeah you understand that's governor bb and what i love about it is he's out there in the middle of the field i mean standing (laughs) right behind coaches and if you didn't know who governor bb was you'd think he was just another coach standing out there on the field picked up his copy of the media guy today got his roster i learned a long time ago I mean, back when I was there the first time, and because you know, a part of the broadcast and this and that all those years, kind of people would think I knew what was going on. So I learned a lot. If Governor Beebe's there, I mean, you go say hello, and that's about it. I do not want to stand by him because he's going to point at somebody and go, hey, is that right over there? Is that so-and-so, the walk-on from someplace you've never heard of? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go, I have no idea. <laughs> now, I clearly, you know who that guy is, but... Don't ask me. You know more about it than I do, yeah, sir. That's not a good look, him knowing. <laughs> I mean, he, if he does, more. man, 
he knows i mean just everybody it's pretty impressive yes he is the number one fan great to see him out at practice but yeah five practices in i guess the watch list are starting to come out now justin parks was named to the werfel award watch list which is the premier award in college football for community service and no surprise at all dominic zavada who was a semifinalist a year ago for the lou groza award is on the lou groza watch list for this season so again uh, camp puritan help us out in this Warfel Award business? I mean, the only thing he knows somebody that knows somebody, they, it's going to run through the state of Florida, can't it? Yeah, I mean. He's a uh, Florida guy. I would think that at some point that would come in handy. <laughs> Although he's a, Jeff is a Florida yeah, State guy. he is guy. a Florida State guy, so that may. That may actually us hurt us. Yeah, never mind. Don't, don't call anybody. Uh, and the other news to come out this week around the football team, uh, single game football tickets are on sale now. And. All the times yep. have been set for the home football games. Of course, they can always be changed with television. Mm-hmm. But as you would expect, a lot of 6 o'clock games, and then you get later in the year, and you get the 2 yeah. o'clock starts. Uh, four sixes and two twos. That's the plan. Well, you probably could have predicted that. And as you said, the only thing, you know, officially, the game times are set for the first three games. You know, Oklahoma and then uh, Memphis and Stony Brook. Because everything past that, the conference really, they've got 12 days out. You know, there's a 12-day window. They can move a game for a TV assignment. And that happened quite a bit last year. I, you know, I'd even forgotten it actually even happened, you know, in the Troy game last year. I oh, yeah. forgot to. I looked at the was looking back at on the game script that, you know, that game they got changed moved to it. 235 for ESPNU. And so, uh, you know, that can happen 12 days out. But if it doesn't happen, then, yeah. Six o'clock, those September and October games, and two o'clock in November. Anything else we need to visit about here? No, I mean, we, we be on the lookout. Uh, we got some other stuff tied into these football games, some you know game themes, and you'll be talking you know, promotional giveaway items and things will be happening at different games. All that information is coming out soon. You know, I would thank the folks who voted week to week in the stadium poll and i really honestly i also really think uh really the the media and i knew that on the ticket that you know eab i knew that you know that they were going to talk a lot about that and they did a lot but i mean just even outside that the rest of the media you know we, we put we did it when we did it for a reason yeah but man alive uh people talked about that a lot and got a lot of media coverage and so it was neat and i i think it did what I want to do in the fact that it just got people kind of swapping stories about games they were at, and that's really what it was all about. And you and I were talking as soon as Darian left a few minutes ago. We didn't intend to go as long on the 2012 stuff as we did, but it just kind of naturally went that <laughs> did, way. Yeah. And the fact that it was announced that Darian was joining the broadcast, and we announced the, the final result that the 2012 middle game was the winner of the stadium contest. Just kind of happened yeah. by accident, so it was neat for him to talk about it on the same day. I mean, even knowing it was out that that middle game won, I mean, I walked in this door and knew we were talking to Grizz and still never dawned on me that, hey, he played in the game that won until we kind of got into it. And it just, yeah, just so kind of a happy accident to have that thing announced as a winner today and get a chance to sit and talk with the guy that played in it. Well, thanks for Grizz coming in. I hope our fans realize just what we see in him and what he's going to bring to our broadcast this year. Really, really excited about him being part of the team. You're going to hear him soon on our network broadcast coming up uh, September 2nd when we go to Oklahoma for the season opener. That's all we got for this week. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.